0: A yeah. man and a
1: man. Well, happy Easter. My name's Dan Burst. I'm one of the pastors here. I got to be honest. We were singing that last song. I almost lost it. You know, like the Lord does that sometimes where he puts a, a thought into your head or uh, something on your heart. And I just caught a glimpse. I don't even know what this means. Like, please give me some grace here, but it just happened. Uh, but it was uh, just people all over this world in every language. In their own way, right? Because each country is so different. Even the music is different, the style is different. And yet there are believers all over this world, millions, if not maybe a couple billion. Saying, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And that, I don't know if that encourages you. I hope it does, but it sure encouraged me. If you're feeling alone today, if you're feeling isolated, you are not alone. There are believers all over this world right now who are jumping and shouting and clapping. And by the way, because of our culture, we're a little bit more subdued. So that is actually true. They probably are clapping and jumping and shouting and declaring, Jesus is alive. So I just want to give you a chance. It goes like this He is risen. One more time, he is, risen. He, is risen. he is risen, calm down, hey, calm down, <laughs> I'm not just joking. In fact, I would love for you to respond to anything I say today. I love it when you guys talk back. A lot of my friends would actually say instead of happy Easter, they 'd say, "Happy Resurrection day." Anybody else?" Right? Happy Resurrection Day. And that's uh, one that I like. It's probably more appropriate because this is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, you probably even noticed a bunch of smiling faces as you walked in. For some of you, it was like, man, there are way too many smiling faces as I walked in. What are you drinking? But here's the deal this is a big day for us. If you're a believer of Jesus, this is like the biggest day. This is a happy day because he is risen. Two points for that person over there. In fact, Jesus says it this way. He says it so clearly in John 14. He says, because I live, you too will live. Hold on to that today. I don't know what you're going through today, but hold on to that. He says, because I live, you too will live. So it's a happy day. You you should have received a card uh, like this. It says, empty grave is greater than empty. And then you get to fill in the blank. And I want you to think about that. We gave you a pen as well. But just think throughout the service what that looks like. The empty grave is greater than fill in the blank. I've got to be honest, that video got to me, especially the first time I watched it, because that feeling of empty, I can relate. And I'm, as a pastor, sometimes you're like, back in 1982, I was really empty. No, like this week. I had feelings of emptiness. Can anyone else relate? Are there any other humans here today? Also, I'm a Mariners fan. (laughs) And for 20 years, we did not make the playoffs. I understand empty. Though, can we also just say that last year was awesome? And yes, I have a picture of me, Trevin, and Addie at the playoff game last year. And yes, that is at the very top level of the 300 level. And yes, you can see Canada from our seats. (laughs) See us rise. But if I'm really honest, the first thing that came to mind with this whole personal experience of emptiness wasn't even that. It was actually me being a teenager driving my 1992 Ford Tempo with red interior. You remember that one, dad? And I ran out of gas. And then I ran out of gas again. And again. Man, I was a stressful kid, wasn't I? And again. Anybody else have that disease? <laughs> 16, 17 years old, living on a prayer, always on fumes. In fact, numerous occasions, maybe you guys can uh, relate to this, numerous occasions, I was scrounging around the car. All right? You're looking under floor mats, you're looking in cup holders. What are you looking for? You're looking, yeah, you, no, you're looking for nickels or dimes. I mean, you're looking for pennies. You just need the 99 cents that are going to give you a gallon of gas for your tank. Now, yeah. let you know how old I am. Now, you'd think I'd learned my lesson after high school, but a couple weeks ago, I came across this video, no joke. I'm almost 30 years old. It's too good not to be shown, so let's see this together. So I just ran out of gas looking like this um, because I got my um, take-home EEG hooked up to me uh, with the uh, wires and whatnot. And I am now stuck on the side of the road. Um, here's my question. Do you think anyone would stop for a guy looking like this, uh, on the side of the road? I don't think so. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> oh, that's just too good. That's so good. I know those are kind of lighthearted examples of being empty, and I would probably conjure to guess that each of us have some more serious examples of emptiness. But think about this. After Jesus' death but before his resurrection, so that time after his death but before his resurrection, probably nobody felt emptier than Jesus' disciples. Because if you know the story of Jesus, Jesus, he's born in Bethlehem. Grows up in Nazareth. Around 30 years old, he's baptized by his cousin John. Remember that scene? The Spirit falls on him. The Holy Spirit falls on him like a dove. The father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he starts his earthly ministry. And it's so powerful. It's incredible. If you remember, one of the first things he does, he goes into this synagogue in his hometown. He takes that scroll of Isaiah that was handed to him. And do you remember the words that he spoke? Such powerful words. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Such powerful, powerful words. But remember what he says right after that. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Amen. The Savior of the world had come. Jesus, he's proclaiming the freedom, the love, the life that is found in him. I mean, this is it. The Messiah that they had long been awaiting, he's come. And I love Jesus for so many reasons. But just one is the fact that he begins his earthly ministry, but he doesn't do it alone. Right? He invites people to come alongside He calls 12 individuals to be his disciples. Actually, he calls more than that, to come and to follow him. At the beginning of the New Testament, you have four gospels, accounts of Jesus from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In those gospels, you read account story after story, account after account of Jesus doing the work of the ministry. But he does it with his disciples. He leads them. He teaches them. He equips them, trains them. Oh, how he loves them. As a disciple, they're seeing the most amazing things. They're participating in the most amazing things. Demons are being cast out. People who can't see, they can see. People who couldn't walk, like couldn't walk for decades with a word from Jesus, they could walk again. Even dead people coming back to life. Jesus is turning everything upside down. He's speaking against oppressive leaders. While at the same time, he's showing dignity and value and love to those who had been oppressed. I mean, Jesus... Is awesome. And the disciples get to be a part of it all. But then it all comes to a crashing halt, and each gospel records how Jesus, the disciples' rabbi, their teacher, their leader, their their friend, who had walked with them through so much, the gospels record that now Jesus is falsely accused. He's put on trial, he's brutally murdered. An innocent man dying a criminal's death on the cross. This is how Luke records the end of Jesus' final breath. He says, Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, He breathed his last. And though Jesus had told his disciples this would happen, he told them more than once. Though he told them he was going to willingly lay down his life, die for them. Even telling them that he would rise again three days later. Even so, when it all went down, they felt empty. I mean, talk about empty, terrified, frightened, scared, a level and magnitude and intensity of emotions and feelings that I think would be hard to imagine. But again, this emptiness, it would make sense because Jesus, their teacher, their leader, their friend, he's now gone. And again, this is before the resurrection. We got the good news, so we know how it ends. But this is before the resurrection. And so again, the disciples are feeling empty. They're seemingly left with nothing And yet, where are they? They're still in Jerusalem. So they're surrounded by political leaders who don't like them. They're surrounded by religious leaders who probably don't like them. And again, their leader is gone. And they're thinking, man, if they killed him, what's to say they won't kill us too? But the power of this morning and why so many of us are smiling today is because it's right there. Right there where the disciples felt like they had lost everything. In the place of overwhelming, unimaginable emptiness. Again, maybe an emptiness that you can relate to today. But it's right there in the place of disappointment, despair, heartbreak, and anxiety. It's right there where their emptiness encounters an empty grave. And the significance of that empty grave would end up being greater than any emptiness they had felt until that moment.
0: Good morning. In this portion of our message, we'll be looking at the disciples' joy and amazement after learning that Jesus was alive. See, the empty tomb serves as a powerful symbol of The victory Jesus achieved over sin and death and it's the cornerstone of our faith for those who proclaim and believe in him as Lord and Savior in a world that can leave us feeling empty and unfulfilled Jesus offers us the hope love and purpose to fill the voids in our lives our text Texas found for today in the Gospel of Luke, and we'll be looking at chapter 24 in its entirety. Now I know that's like 50 plus verses. I won't be reading them verse by verse. I'll be giving you a paraphrase here for most of them, and I'll be referencing a few. So let us begin by setting the scene. In the early hours of the first day of the week, a group of women who had followed Jesus made their way to the tomb where his body Had been laid. They carried with them spices they had prepared to anoint his body, a final act of love and devotion to their Lord. Upon arrival, they found the stone that had sealed the tomb rolled away, and the body of Jesus was nowhere to be found. As the woman stood there, perplexed and afraid, Two men in dazzling clothes appeared before them, asking... This is Luke 24, verses 5 to 7. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised. Again... And with that, they remembered. The women remembered Jesus' words and realized the truth. Jesus was alive. Upon hearing the news of the empty tomb, the women wasted no time in returning to the disciples to share the incredible news. But the disciples were initially hesitant to believe. Peter, however, was moved to investigate for himself. He ran to the tomb, stooped down, and saw the burial clothes left behind. He returned home, amazed at what had happened. The news of Jesus' resurrection had begun to spread, and the disciples' hearts overflowed with joy and amazement. In verses 13 to 32 of Luke 24, we'll see them encounter Jesus, a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus. And so as the disciples were still trying to make sense of the news, two of them were traveling to a village called Emmaus. And along the way, they were joined by a stranger who turned out to be the resurrected Jesus himself. They didn't recognize him immediately, but as they walked with the stranger, he began to explain the scriptures to them. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, showing how the Messiah had to suffer and enter His glory. Their hearts burned within them as He revealed the truth about the Messiah. And it was not until they sat down to break bread that their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. He then vanished from their sight, leaving them in awe and wonder, And filled with joy, they rushed back to Jerusalem to share their experience with the other disciples. We'll now look at verses 36 to 43. And here Jesus appears to his disciples. In this portion of scripture, we find the disciples gathered together in fear and confusion after the crucifixion of Jesus. They had heard the testimony of the women who had discovered the empty tomb, as well as the account of the two disciples who had encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Despite these testimonies, they were still struggling to believe that Jesus had truly risen from the dead. It was in this moment of doubt and uncertainty that Jesus appeared to them saying, Luke 24:36, peace be with you. The disciples, however, were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. And Jesus reassured them by showing them his hands and feet, which bared the scar of his crucifixion. He even ate a piece of broiled fish in their presence to prove that he was not a ghost, but he had, that he had truly risen from the grave so in his conversations with the disciples, Jesus taught them that his death and resurrection were not a tragic end, but the very fulfillment of God's plan of salvation. They were the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. He explained that the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all pointed to his suffering, death, and resurrection. So after experiencing the most astounding event in history, Being the resurrection of Jesus and the miraculous appearance of the risen Christ, the disciples' fear and confusion were transformed into joy and amazement. Similarly, when we encounter the living Christ through faith, the reality of his resurrection can evoke the same emotions in us. The more we study the Scriptures and see how they point to Christ, the greater our wonder and excitement will be at the wisdom and love of Jesus. Have you experienced that today, church? In Luke 24, we see also the promise of the Holy Spirit. In verses 48 and 49, Jesus promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit would empower the disciples to bear witness to the risen Christ and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. We see that in Acts 1.8. This promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples in the upper room. You can find that in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. And here they were transformed from a fearful, timid group into bold proclaimers of the gospel. And this was the beginning of the church, a worldwide movement of believers empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. But dear friends, this promise is not limited to the first disciples. Ephesians one thirteen to fourteen tells us that. But in Romans eight, eleven, it tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and equipped the disciples to bear witness to the risen Christ is at work within us. It is at work within you today. Therefore, we are also called to participate in the joy and amazement of the disciples as we embrace our own calling to share the gospel. So, let's explore the significance of the empty tomb in three distinct ways. Empty of fear, empty of doubt, and empty of death. Empty of fear. In the early hours of that first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene and the author Mary went to the tomb of Jesus only to find it empty. They were frightened by the sight of an angel who announced the resurrection of Jesus, yet the angel told them in Matthew 28, 5, do not be afraid. This is a powerful message of reassurance that resonates with us today. The application for us today is this. See, fear often grips our lives, whether it is the fear of failure, rejection, or uncertainty about the future. The resurrection, though, reminds us that Jesus has conquered our greatest fears, and we can trust in him to help us overcome them. When we face challenges, let us remember the power of the resurrection and assurance that it brings, allowing us to live with courage and confidence. Empty of doubt. After Jesus' resurrection, the Apostle Thomas expressed doubt and demanded proof before he would believe. Jesus responded by showing Thomas his wounds, inviting him to touch and believe. Thomas' doubt was replaced with faith. And he declared Jesus as my Lord and my God. John 20:28. 20, the application of that for us here is, friends... Doubt can be a natural part of our faith journey. And like Thomas, we may question God's presence in our life and his plans for our lives. The resurrection, though, serves as a reminder that Jesus is always present, even in times of doubt. When we experience doubt, we can turn to the empty tomb and find reassurance in the risen Christ, embracing the truth of his resurrection and hope it offers us today. This is for today, church. Empty of death. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians emphasized the importance of the resurrection in our faith. He wrote, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. 1 Corinthians 15:17. Jesus' resurrection is the ultimate victory over sin and death. And through him, we too can have eternal life. The application for us is this see, death is a universal reality, and the fear of death can weigh heavily on our hearts. However, the resurrection offers us a triumphant promise. In Christ, death has been defeated, and we have the hope of eternal life. As we face the certainty of death, let us remember that the empty tomb symbolizes the victory Jesus has won for us, assuring us of a glorious eternity with Him. Additionally, 1 John two fifteen to 17 highlights the empty promises of the world. It reads like this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, we often search in vain for fulfillment in the things of this life. Whether it's through material possessions, success, or relationships. In contrast, Jesus offers us eternal hope and fulfillment. As the risen Christ, He has conquered sin and death, making it possible for us to experience true life through faith in Him. When we place our trust in Jesus, He fills our lives with His presence, love, and purpose, enabling us to find lasting contentment and satisfaction. When we embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He fills us with His grace and enables us to experience the fullness of life. Even now, as we live out our faith, Jesus empowers us to make a difference in the lives of others, transforming not only our own lives, but also the world around us. In this way, our lives become filled with purpose and emptiness we once felt is replaced with the joy of serving Christ and his kingdom. But first, we must acknowledge the emptiness in our lives and turn to Jesus to fill it. And we must trust in his love, grace and forgiveness to transform our lives and bring lasting fulfillment. Romans 10, 9 and 8 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus this Easter, let us remember that he is the only one who can truly fill the emptiness in our lives May the empty tomb serve as a reminder that Jesus has conquered sin and death, which you will see further emphasized in the short skit we've got planned here for you. Friends, let us embrace the power of the empty tomb. In a world filled with fear, doubt, hopelessness, and death, the empty tomb serves as a beacon of hope and victory. May the reality of the risen Christ fill us with joy and amazement and empower us to live boldly. Amen. Amen. The grave shouts empty, 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 and heaven roars worthy, worthy, worthy. And it's for this reason today we can shout, Jesus is alive. Come on, say it with me. Jesus is alive. he's dead then it's over but john if they
1: killed him they will come after us too john i've never been more scared or afraid in my life I've never felt so alone what do we do cover the windows and keep the doors locked let's just head back to galilee lay low for a little while no the streets aren't safe they might be
0: looking for us Mary, we all are. No, it's true. You're confused. <laughs> Sit down. Have some water.
1: There is no time for sitting. You must come see for yourself. See he's what? Al-
0: he's alive. The tomb is empty.
1: And Jesus, he told me to come find you and tell you.
0: I don't believe eat. it. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the grief that's made her mad.
1: It's true. He said, do not be
0: afraid. So he's not dead? No. Then I want to see him. It's just like he said, Peter. John, if he's alive, then this changes everything. Where are you going? To the tomb. Peter. i got to see if he's alive. If he's alive, then
1: everything he said was true. Everything. <laughs> he's alive. He's actually alive. Jesus is alive. Do not be afraid.